I've got a real treat for you today. Today we're talking with Tomcat. He's a really active member over in the Moonshine for Beginners group over on MeWe.com. Back in December, he started converting an old Anheuser-Busch keg into a steel, and he has completed that build and is here to talk with us about it today. This is Still in the Clear, the podcast that distills the art and science of home distilling into easy-to-follow, audible nuggets for the beginning moonshiner. This information is for education and entertainment purposes only. You could even call it fiction if you want to. Home distilling may be illegal in your area. I'm your host, Cyrus, and I'm just a guy that lives in the woods and likes to make shine. So let's get into it. Before we get started today, I want to remind you about the MASH. The MASH is our free bi-weekly newsletter that's delivered straight to your inbox. Each issue is packed with all kinds of useful moonshine stuff. You don't want to miss it. So go sign up at stillintheclear.com newsletter. I'll put a link in the show notes. Just click on that link. It'll take you right to the page where you sign up. Just leave your name and your email. It's all you got to do, and that automatically signs you up. Hey, Tom, how are you doing? Great, Cyrus. Thank you, man. I want to uh, I want to thank you for coming on. I appreciate you taking the time and sharing this information with us. A lot of people are going to get some good stuff from this conversation. I'm sure of it. So, thank you very much. You're welcome. So, for the listeners, Tomcat is in our group, uh, Moonshine for Beginners on MeWe. And he's been really active. He's always asking a ton of questions and sharing, uh, making contributions and posting pics of his build. And uh, it's been really great having Tom in the group. What do you um, what do you think about that group as far as all the other places where you go for information, whether it's books or forums or other groups elsewhere? Uh, how useful is Moonshine for Beginners on MeWe. I think it's very useful. Um, I haven't been at the moonshining game very long, and there's all kinds of information there, but it's especially good to be able to make a personal touch to folks and uh, ask questions. In my case, maybe dumb questions again and again, and people have just been wonderful, very patient, very good, uh, and we have a, a wide variety of experience um, there's some there's some guys on our group that really know what they're doing, and there's people that know less than me and everything in between. Yeah. So yes, I I like MeWe in general, and uh, I actually uh, Moonshine for Beginners is my favorite group in large part because I like the uh, camaraderie of the members. Yeah. Cool. I I feel the same way. Um. So why don't you tell me a little bit about what where does your story start? What made you want to get into this hobby? So um, I grew up and my dad was a guy who had a small vineyard and made wine and taught me how to make wine as a kid. So I was always around it. And uh, later on, when I grew up and, and left the house, he kind of took up some a pretty low level of moonshine making that I was never involved in. He's passed away. 
And uh, one of the things he gave me before he left, before he died, was a, a little still. And so some time passed, and I bought a, a little farm, and I uh, realized that uh, I was getting a little bit older, and it was something I always intended to do. And so when I I realized I didn't know anything about moonshining, um, I look at my dad's uh, pressure cooker homemade pot still, and I just kind of went on the internet and asked some people, "Hey, what have I got?" And they all said, "Don't use that. That's not any good. Aluminum's a really bad." Um, product and you know there's other things to do mm-hmm. and so i just started researching um there's a ton of information on the internet i was really amazed not only at the amount of information and the amount of people that do it but the entire industry that that supports it um, and so i just decided that hey i've read and read and read i'm going to take a, a plunge and uh the neighbor down the road is a good friend of mine and i asked him because um, he's got all kinds of stuff, um, old stuff. He's a car, he's a motorhead. And I said, do you have any, any beer kegs by chance? And, well, i got three of them. And uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> he uh, moved the hood of a 56 Cadillac off a pile of junk and gave me a really nice uh, uh, stainless steel Anheuser-Busch keg, and that's how I started. And that was in uh, December of this past year. And so... I was all excited. Hey, I got this free keg. Little did I know <laughs> that was the cheap part. It's like buying a dog. <laughs> the dog is the cheap part. But anyway, I just just researched and read and read and read, which I like to do, and uh, kind of got me where I'm at. Yeah, so you haven't uh, – this has been a short journey for you so far, December. That's You haven't been at it very long. No, no. And uh, – some of some of the winemaking experience in the past with yeast and fermentation was a nice background, but it's not necessary for somebody that's that's getting into it and wants to learn. Um, I mean, it didn't help me that much. It just kind of gave me an idea for what was going on. And so, what I I look at it, you know, doing moonshine, it's a it's an art, but there is a science to it, and that part is appealing to me. And I've got quite a bit of the science figured out now. Uh, for me, it's it's the art of it, and I think that just comes from experience and uh, making mistakes. So I've never been one to be afraid to jump in and try things. Yeah, me either. I I enjoy learning curves. <laughs> I like learning new things, so I'm never afraid to mess up. That's the only reason I'm a, almost an average mechanic is I'm not all that great, but I'm not afraid. Yeah. Your, your buddy gave you a keg, so that's a good start. Were you thinking, like... Is is that what you wanted to build was a keg, or did you decide to do that after you knew you could get your hands on one? I think it was a second. I mean, I knew that that was a good, viable option. Um, you know, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I looked at the inexpensive Chinese stainless steel import ones because, like, um, I'm kind of ch- thrifty by nature, I'm going to say, and free is pretty good. Like, yeah. That was the, the bait and switch. Um, so... I just read and read and read, and um, I knew that most people use propane. It's cheap. It's, it heats up quick, and it's good. But um, something about the idea of alcohol vapors and open flame bothered me. And so <laughs> I'm pretty good friends with the rural fire chief here, and I would hate to explain to him how I burned my barn down. And so uh, the other the other side of it is I have a close family member who is a, a, a good electrician, and I had 220 volts out there already, and with just a few 
niceties. I was able to get him to come out and, and wire me up a real nice uh, connection and, and uh, build a controller. Um, I'm no electronic or electrical genius by any means, but I knew, I knew one. So uh, uh, my part on the on the cake build was uh, studying um, how to how to put the ferrules on, um, drilling the holes, placing them correctly, and then guess what? I'm not a welder either. And so uh, I asked my my neighbor that gave me the cake, who is kind of a welder, "Hey man, can you can you put these ferrules on me?" Look, I said no. He said that's really thin material. I've got a an old stick welder, and uh, that's beyond my talent. And I'm just I'm going to be honest with you. And he he supports the project. We're friends. Yeah. And I said to myself, why not go to a welding shop, pay him the money? I got the keg for free, and have it done right. And that's what I did. And it looks pretty good. And it seems to work pretty good. So, um, still got a. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just saying, stainless steel welding is uh, a special skill. Like not just any welder can do that, right? That's then that's a part of my learning journey because, like I told you, I'm not an electrician and I'm not a welder. I'm a guy that likes to have a drink now and then, and uh, uh, for a lot of other reasons, prefer to do it myself. So uh, it's funny. I went into the welding shop in a in a middle sized metropolitan area where I kind of know those guys a little bit, and uh, they didn't ask any questions about what I was doing and what was over. The owner. I said, do you know what this is? He goes, oh, I figure you're making beer. I said, yeah, I'm going to be a home brewer. And uh, that was it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a little bit more open. I I just went to the fabricator and said, hey, I'm building a steel, and if you'll weld this up for me, I'll I'll bring you some quartz. So we just traded. Right. (laughs) Well, my guess is if this guy would have known, he probably would have took the quart and and had done it. And and if I – and trust me, Cyrus, I, I network pretty good in my county and around here. And I ask and ask and ask, and nobody that I could find would is a TIG welder. Yeah. Kind of unusual. So my neighbor did me a favor by not attempting to do it. Uh, uh, you know, because he was right. It's not something you do with a stick welder. But so at any rate, um, I got some two inch ferrules, which whoever's listening to this, it's not a bad way to go. If I had a two over again, I might have used inch and a half, which is kind of more of a standard. but it is what it is. So uh, I got a stainless steel um, dinner, Denford, I think it is, on Amazon. It's a 550, 5,500 watt, 220-volt uh, element, which is more than enough yeah. to do what I wanted to do. Yeah. And uh, I, after in my research, somebody said, hey, you better put a, put a drain in there. And I'm like, okay, because I trusted them. I didn't think it through, but they were absolutely 100% correct. When you have the backwash, which is the leftover um, product in the back that you're in the bottom of the still that you that you've got, it's scalding hot. And you don't want to pour it over, and that was the best, the smartest thing I ever did on the whole build was to listen to somebody else that knew what they were talking about mm-hmm. and put a valve in there. Yeah, so I guess I'm getting ahead of myself. <clears throat> if someone's listening that might not know this. When you get a keg of beer, there's a, a one-inch stainless steel tube called a spear that goes from the top of the keg, the part that you pumped at the party when you're a teenager and got the beer out of, but it goes down within like a half inch of the bottom so you can get all the beer out. Well, you have to take that ring and that spear out to use it, and that, that was a trial and tribulation of its own, but the information's online somewhere, and if you're... Uh, if you're stubborn, 
you can get it done. Yeah. And the thing is, um, it's stainless steel and it made a, it made a real nice drain. And that's what I did. I, I took the spear out and I took it to the welder. I, I measured it out exactly where I wanted it. I got a 90 degree elbow stainless steel. And I took it to him and his only comment was, that's some pretty thin material. But I, I guess he was good enough to make it work because it works. And I just put a, um, um, valve on there and, it, and a little adapter to put a, a garden hose. And when I'm done, I'm able to uh, put the hose on there, run it out the end of the barn into the creek um, and drain it out without having to pick it up or do anything to it, which I think is, was, like I said, the smartest thing I ever did. Yeah, that's really nice. Yeah, it is. And so some people put them in the sides and the bottom. I, a lot of people turn a keg upside down, which is, is okay. I, I thought I wanted the handles and I wanted to use the opening that the factory had put in there. And it's, it's worked out okay for me. I wouldn't say one way is right or one way is wrong. But the, uh, the thing a, a beginner wouldn't know is that opening they call a Sankey, I believe. Opening is the factory hole in the top of the keg. A lot of aftermarket parts are made on that uh, to be able to clamp directly onto that. And that's the route I chose to go. Um, I was excited. I wanted to get going. And uh, I have plenty of other chores on my place to do anyway. So I bought a pre-made column steelhead off eBay, of which there are many different types that would that would uh, clamp directly onto it. And that's the way I went. Yeah. So you've got a stainless steel keg that you turned it or that you turned into the steel, and then you've got a copper column. Yes, and although there's, I guess there's nothing wrong with stainless steel, my research indicated to me that you want copper in the vapor path. It doesn't matter in the boiler part as much, but um, that the uh, copper takes some bad taste out of the product or has a benefit. And uh, so I was able to buy um, the head for it. And the rest of it, I mean, part of the deal for me, not only making it and buying it, but also getting the ingredients for making moonshine is I want commonly found everyday things. I don't I don't want specialized things any more than I have to. Right, right. And that's an ongoing debate between the stainless steel and the copper. You'll still hear different opinions on that. But the... Uh, the best consensus out there is what you just said, that the copper really matters in the vapor path, and it's to remove the sulfides, which there you go. the claim is that the sulfides give it a bad flavor, but I'm not sure that's correct. I mean, I use copper in the, path, uh, in the vapor path also, just in case, um, but I did a pretty deep dive on that, and there's quite a bit of evidence out there that show that you can't tell a difference in the taste. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. And I also wanted to mention that Tomcat is allowing me to use the pictures because he took pictures. All You did a really good job of taking pictures all the way through this process. And we're going to turn that into a post on stillintheclear.com where you can go and read and see the pictures uh, so that if it's hard to visualize audibly while we're talking about it, uh, we're going to put together an article that you can go read and and check that out. So uh, 
this when we're recording this it's probably three to four weeks before this gets published and I'll have the article written and on the website by then. So, Well, that, that makes me happy because I knew I was taking on a, an unknown venture. And so I thought I might as well take pictures along the way, hoping it would help someone else and also helping to remind me where I've come from and what I've done. Right. Yeah. So, uh, so if you're listening to this and you haven't looked at the build pictures, it would sure make a lot of sense just to look at those. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm like Cyrus said, I'm on the site often. And if you ever have any questions about it, ask me. I'm easy to talk to. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So you ordered your uh, column and then what? where did you go from there? Um, anybody that studied this a little bit knows that you have that what makes uh, shine is separating alcohol and water, and so you have to have a way to cool it. You heat it up to what 187, 78 degrees, something like that, and then it starts to work. So you have to cool it. And uh, the next challenge for me was to figure out how I was going to do that because I have a water source nearby. I'm on rural water, but I didn't really want to drag hoses back and forth all the time. And so I I ended up going to Harbor Freight and getting a pretty decent um, pump from them. And I've got a 55-gallon old trash can that I fill full of water. That's what I use to circulate it and, and stuff. So uh, you have to be able to have a water source to, uh, to my knowledge. I guess people use ice or whatever, but mm-hmm. it sure seems like most people use water to, to make that condensation. condensation. And so uh, that that was figuring out the piping and doing that for me. For some reason, that was a little bit of a stumbling block. I didn't have any experience in hose. You know, to me, a hose is something you screw into a faucet and turn on. So I had to educate myself about sizes and pump volume and you know a few different things. So if you're going to take a venture like this, you better be prepared to do some learning and some study and reading, and you'll have a much much more successful build, I think. So, in fact, that's, you know, the column that I bought off eBay had a 12-inch condensing unit, which after I ran my first sacrificial run, realized was too small, and now I'm in the middle of rebuilding a much longer one to be more efficient. Um, the, the flip side of having that large heating element, the 5,500-watt uh, element is, it works pretty good. Yeah. And so to be able to keep up, I've got to be able to cool it down pretty good. Not a bad thing. It's just it's all part of the learning experience, right? And you know, for for somebody who's planning on doing a low and slow single run, a short little condenser is not that big a deal. But if you're planning on doing you know double runs and you're going to do a stripping, uh, it really helps to it really helps to have a longer condenser or a longer coil. Because you can't run as fast unless you do. I'm sure there's somebody listening to this or entering in the hobby that's much more mechanical skilled than I am and has better ideas and and can adopt the, the shotgun condensers and some of the more advanced stuff. Mm. Um, you know, the the still my dad gave me was a was an undersized worm in a in a plastic bucket, and I, I'm sure he messed around with it and got a little bit of product, but. He didn't stick with it very long, so that tells me what I need to know. Right. And, uh, yeah, so I'm in it a little deeper than that now. And uh, and what you said is true. I 
with uh, so this is something uh, to consider if, if somebody's thinking about a it's not really a 16 gallon keg they're 15.9 but um, so I I took great care to put my element as close to the bottom as I could and I when I when you when you start up you run vinegar and water through it to clean it and then after that you make a what they call a sacrificial run which is alcohol that just sanitizes it and you throw all of that away you don't keep any of it. And I didn't really measure. I was so excited the first time I didn't measure uh, what the depth was uh, because I knew I had to be less than an inch off the bottom of the keg. I looked in there in flashlight. I knew I was. I put in a few gallons of vinegar and water, ran it. It ran great for about five minutes. It stopped. And my electrician was there. I said, hey, is this thing working? And he had a a gauge and a meter. So, yeah, it's putting out what it's supposed to. Well, what had happened is I didn't put enough uh, liquid to care of the element, and I had no experience in it anyway. And so I burned up a nice stainless steel 220-volt element in the first five minutes in the hobby. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> so I, the next time when I spent my big bucks and got another one, I put in a gallon of water at a time and measured it with a flashlight. And in my case, and I think this would be true for anyone that had one at this level, it takes three gallons of water just to cover that element. So that means if I run a five-gallon run, the most product I can get out would be two gallons, and we'll talk about it later, it's really less than that, of usable shine. Mm-hmm. So in a way, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm forced, but I'm kind of forced if I want to be efficient to have a larger wash or mash run in the beginning, I think I could go up to 12 gallons at a time if I wanted to. So Right. That's a consideration someone should take take into mind. That's a mistake I made that I paid for. Yeah. Yep. Well, let me ask you this. Now that you've built it and you you made your vinegar run and your sacrificial run and you're uh you've got some mash going now, right, for your first real run? Am yes, I-, I do. I bought I bought a uh, just a regular 6-gallon plastic fermentation bucket in uh I've got a sugar wash going, um, started yesterday, in fact, and uh, that'll be next. That'll be the real thing. Um, so I'm scrambling around to hopefully get my improved condenser finished uh, this weekend. I've got another friend who is a jack-of-all-trades who's done a lot of copper soldering in his life, and uh, we, we hunt ducks together and stuff, and he's going to he's gonna fix me up. So I've, I've, I, the deal is I bring up bring uh, the parts up and he does it. So we'll drink beer and have lunch and uh, before long I'll have that done and um, probably get to run my first run through the longer condenser. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So what, is there anything you would do differently now that you've... I would not, I would not be afraid of an inch and a half ferrule. I mean, there's nothing wrong with the two inch ferrule for the larger, um, element but some people put two of them in um but if you go so what happened let me back up covid's going on i burn up my my first element i did man it just killed me i'm just gonna go buy one right away and and i'll be off to the races well guess what there were none in the united states and i dug and dug and dug and the one i found was in new jersey and they want they would only ship it the whole thing was 90 dollars shipped to my house Mm. so so what that research taught me is a much more standard size for elements of all different sizes would be 
inch and a half. So although men kind of like bigger and stronger and faster, I wouldn't be afraid if you're not, if you're listening to this, you don't have to have 220. I just happen to have it and have a, a family member who's an electrician and got a, got a really great price on getting it done for free. Right. So um, the only thing I would say is if somebody's listening to this, I wouldn't be afraid to go with a 110. I mean, this is not a hobby or a activity that you just do in 20 minutes. You're going to, when you're, you know, it takes five to 10 days to run your product to get it ready. When you put it in the still and you do it low and slow, you're talking hours. I mean, it, it is what it is. If, if you don't, if you're not patient, you're in the wrong game. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I, I think uh, I wouldn't be afraid of 110 watt element personally. Okay. I think that's good advice that, uh, the inch and a half ferrules, that's, that would be a, a better choice, I think, too. Well, what people advised me was if you want to clean it out, then you can take the trike clamp off and then pull the element out, and then you can just pour your pour your liquid out the bottom. Well, I kind of made that decision to put the drain in, and it kind of nullified it. So mm-hmm. and it's that's the only thing I would say, Cyrus, if I was going to change anything. I don't think I made a bad decision with my situation. Um, but I, I would, I probably would have went with an inch and a half, and I probably still would would go the two twenty route just because it's easy for me. Yeah. Some of the, not to get too far into electronics, I went with a very simple, basic steel dragging kit. Cost me fifty two dollars. Um, very tried, true. Um, works real good. But then I look at some guys that really know electronics, and it is amazing the stuff you can have them do. And that's not me. I'm just a guy with a with a volume control, right? It goes from zero to hundred, and a in a uh, temperature gauge on the column, so I can watch it and kind of use it. Everybody says don't don't bet your life on the temp, on the thermometer or whatever, but it's it's a nice indicator of where you're at. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, almost every run I do, especially if I'm playing with recipes. Things happen at different temperatures anyway. So yeah. unless you're just running the exact same thing over and over and over, uh, you've got to you've got to get the feel for your steel. You've got to learn your steel because, uh, yeah, you're right. You can't always. I mean, you can't always trust the gauge because sometimes they just quit working right. But beyond that, there there are no exact temperatures where this is going to happen at this temperature and this is going to happen at this temperature. Or at least that's been my experience. You know, it's not always the same. That seems to be true from what I've read and talked to people. You know, where you're at in the art of it, because you're so far ahead of me on this, is is making the cuts. And I guess I don't want to get too far into that. But people that are new to this, don't. I didn't understand this. I'm just going to use 10 gallons as a round number. If you make a mash or, or sugar wash of 10 gallons, you might get two, two and a half gallons of drinkable, usable moonshine out of it. The rest of it is is uh, not drinkable or usable for the most part. And you can reuse some of it, but uh, that's something to consider uh, and something I learned along the way. I didn't know. I thought, hey, these guys with these 55-gallon drums, they're going to get 55 gallons of shine. No, they don't. No, you're... The best rule of thumb is 20% is the theoretical limit of how much alcohol there will be in your mash. And right. 
most times people don't reach 20% anyway. Um, and I prefer recipes where my alcohol levels are down around 10% because uh, the lower the alcohol level, the more flavor you get, at least with single runs. I like doing single runs. Um, but yeah, we're getting into other episodes with that discussion. But man, I'm glad you got your build done. We've been, you know, everybody in the group's been watching you build that thing because you're posting pics all the time. And I'm so excited for you to make your first run. You're just days away or, you know, you're not far yeah. from and, uh, you know, I'll just reiterate how, how thankful I am to found the group and, and how nice everyone's been to me and helpful and, uh, and frankly, a really good bunch of guys. Um, and I think there's probably some ladies in there too that I don't know, but, but in general, it's a great group of fellas and, and I'm, I'm happy that I'm part of it. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. I'm glad you're there. Well, that's a, that's a pretty good description of your keg steel, brother. I think so. Um, you know, especially uh, if, if people look at the pictures, yeah, um, show and tell that ought to, that'll help somebody. I, I'm sure it will. I know it will absolutely. I mean, I remember when I was building, um, I looked at a thousand pictures. I bet, I bet. No, I, I honestly, the keg thing. I mean, so right now you look at it and it looks like a keg, and they can say, "Oh, cool, he recycled a keg." But I, I'm I've got Reflectix insulation out here in the next few days. I'll be wrapping that up just insulated, and it really won't look like a keg much anymore. Yeah. Um, in the name of efficiency. Well, those keg steels are good solid steels. Yeah, it's not a bad way to go. Really not. I mean, Dur I bet if I ask it, I bet if I ask the neighbor, he'd give me another one too. Right. Are are you already planning your next build? Oh, everybody said I would. I'm way off in the distance. I could see flipping one upside down and doing some different things. Yeah, you will be. I promise you. It's an addictive hobby, and then when you learn and you you try things, you want to try other things, and it's uh, it's really uh, becomes a passion. Yeah. Well, man, I think that's a good place to uh, to end the interview, man. Uh, I again, I appreciate your time, brother. Okay. Thanks, Cyrus. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Hopefully that, like I said, that helps, that helps some people. Yep, absolutely. Well, that wraps up this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Share this episode with people you think might enjoy it. That would be much appreciated. It'll sure help our show grow. And don't forget, doing is improving. Have a good one. Talk to y'all next week.